morning. You can go ahead and open your Bibles up to Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. We are in our second week in our study in Ephesians, about a 10-week study. We're, we're glad you're here. Um, when I was uh, in high school, my, my, I had a great high school basketball coach, and he was a great man, a great teacher, and really a great motivator as well. And I remember one time, man, we were about four or five games into my senior season, and he wanted to meet with, there was three seniors, and he wanted to meet with each and every one of us seniors. Now we were off to like, I don't know, we were three and two, but rest assured we had a great season, you know, you know how that goes. Uh, but we were off to about a three and two start, wasn't the best start in, in the world, and he wanted to meet with us three seniors, and me and another guy were the captains of the team, and we both started. Well, he met with the first two guys. The first guy he told, well, unfortunately, you're not going to play a whole lot of minutes the rest of the season. All right, well, that didn't go well. Second guy, who was a captain and a starter, he says, you're no longer going to start. You'll still play a few minutes. So now I'm thinking, these guys both went and met before him uh, with him already, and I, I go in at that time knowing how those first two meetings went. So I go in not really knowing what to expect. But instead, he, he spoke into me, and he spoke truth into me. He says, Kyle, I want you to know you're still our captain. You're still our leader. You're still going to start. You shoot way too much, but that's all right. We'll get over that. But you're still going to have it play a vital role in our team. You know, and I, I've told you a story before. I was wide open district finals. The other guy passed to his brother, missed a shot. We lost. But that, you know, not that hold a grudge. Uh, but at, th at this point, this was the first guy in my life who really spoke truth into me. Now, some of it, you know, Okay, it's basketball related or whatever, but some, some uh, abilities and gifts and even thinking along the lines of leadership. Here's a guy who, one, believed in me, saw things in me, and helped me discover who I was. And who I was came about more so even in college, as I had a professor there who several years later would become my father-in-law at the time. This is before he told me, no, I couldn't marry his daughter, before his daughter wanted anything to do with me. But I, I met uh, he was one of my professors, and in this time, I remember giving a, a short little five, ten-minute mes message in one of his classes, and afterwards, he wrote me a note, a letter. says, Kyle, you got a gift. You've got an ability. God wants to use you and do amazing things through you. And again, somebody speaking truth into me, right? Speaking truth into me, and I could trust it from this man. And here, discovering who I was. Same thing happened. I remember becoming the youth pastor at what was then Cornerstone, and guys like Randy Nesbitt and Greg Argenbright and Rich and Tozy, all three guys who really challenged and encouraged me and spoke truth into me about my ability and who I was. And as, as a young man, that was very important to know what my purpose was, to know who I was, still trying to discover those things. And, and many of you may be in that same situation. Why well, you know who am I? What is my purpose? What does God want to do in and through me? And that's one of the, to me, one of the exciting things about the book of Ephesians is that we really discover who we are. Now, more so than, you know, just who we are as a basketball player or anything like that, but actually important things in life, who we are in Christ. And what I'm so excited about this study in Ephesians is it, it tells us exactly that. If you want to know who you are, if you want to know God's purpose for your life, and you want to know what God wants from us as a church, Creekside, man, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians speaks to that. And I would encourage you not, not only to come here on Sunday morning and study and hear the messages on Ephesians, but go home. Study it on your own. This is where you're going to learn. This is where you're going to grow. 
You know, I, and Mike Johnson tweeted out that picture of Adam Westfall's Bible this week, and it was him studying the book of Ephesians. There were notes all over the place. That's what we want. We want to go home, and we want to study and learn for ourselves what the book of Ephesians says. So I would encourage you to do that. And as we go through this study, begin to learn and understand who you are in Christ and who we are as a church in Christ. This, this is what God wants for you. This is the purpose for your life, okay? So encourage you and challenge you to do that. Will you do that with me? Somebody will. That's good. All right, let's pray together real quick. God, I, I thank you for this book. I thank you for the epistles of Paul. We're, we're Paul speaking truth into us, and especially here in Ephesians, of who we are who we are in Christ, who we are as a church, and your purpose for us as believers. God, this morning speak to us as we leave here and we go about our, our jobs and uh, our school or whatever it might be this week. God, may we see these truths about ourselves of who we are in your son Jesus. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So Ephesians chapter 1, Andrew got us off to a good start, giving us some background last week. Uh, we're going to continue that a little bit here. Ephesians chapter 1, I just want to show us one thing. It was obviously written by Paul as we see that in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Here's the important part. To the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. If you remember when we went through the book of John, anybody remember that? Going through John this summer, that's good. We spent 20 weeks there. Where I spent a lot of time there. In John, John chapter 20, verse 31, Austin kicked off the series, and we started with this verse. It was our theme verse. These words were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Why was John written? Oh, that's what I just said. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. That's why it was written. It was written so people may understand that. Ephesians and many, much like many of other uh, Paul's epistles, who are they written to? They're written to those who already believe. You see here, to the church at Ephesus, to the saints, right? To those who are in Christ Jesus. This book written for those who are in Jesus, for those who have put their faith and their hope and their trust in Jesus. If you are here this morning and you know Jesus, and you have put your faith and your hope and your trust in Him and His finished work on the cross, these words are for you. This is going to help you discover who you are. This is going to help you discover the purpose for your life and the purpose for us as a church. If you were here this morning and you don't know Jesus and you, you would find yourself not in Christ, you know, we still want you to study this with us. We still encourage you to find out who Jesus is and what he offers you. What he offers you in, in new life, abundant life, full life, a meaningful and purposeful life life. So if you don't know that, we want you to discover that with us here in this, in this um, series in Ephesians. So written to the church at Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, and we're going to go through verse 3 through 8 this morning, 1 through 8 actually, so we've already done two verses, doing all right, okay? Verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Who has blessed us. Do you hear that? Praise be to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Let me tell you something. That is past tense. This is written for the saints, for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to tell you this morning, you are blessed. 
past tense. If you know Jesus and you have a relationship with Him, you're blessed. That can be a difficult thing for people sometimes. Some of us may be in a position where we feel, yeah, God is blessing us. Things are going well. My job's great. My kids are great. My family's great. Some of us may find ourselves in a position where, you know what, my, my family situation's all out of sorts. You know, I lost my job, whatever it is. I don't feel blessed by God. See, our problem is, is how we view blessing. Our problem is that we, we view it in a sense of tangible things here on earth. See, the blessing that Paul is speaking of is not a blessing of, hey, work's going great. I'm trying to imagine Paul, right? If I'd ask Paul how you're doing, well, you know, December I only sold one tent, but man, January's great. God's blessing me. I've sold three, right? That, that's not Paul. Pa- Paul, when he speaks of blessing, is not talking about these earthly things that are very tangible. We see every day. That's not the blessing Paul speaks about. When you look at the New Testament and you look at Paul's writings, the blessing Paul is speaking about He says it right here, blessed in the heavenly realms. See, we're not talking about, hey, job's going great, I got a promotion, I got a new car, so on and so forth, all these things. The blessing Paul is speaking about is in the heavenly realms. And I love Paul, I love his passion, I love his excitement. In fact, if you look at these verses, verses 3 through 14 in the original text is one sentence. Okay, that's a long sentence. I think Paul's pretty excited. Would you say Paul's pretty excited about this? Paul wants to explain to the church at Ephesus, the believers here at Ephesus, just how awesome and how much of a blessing they have in God. All right, look, look at this. And I can imagine Paul's passion in this as he's writing. Remember, this is one sentence. So we'll try to say it as one sentence here. Praise be to the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, for he has chosen us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us to the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding and he made known to us the mystery in his will according to his good pleasure which he has purposed in Christ to be perfectly effective at the times when he reached their fulfillment to bring all these things in heaven and on earth together with one head, even Christ. Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will, and other in order that we who were the first hope in Christ might be the praise of His glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in Him with the seal and promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Amen. Amen. Woo! Repeat it back to me. I, I sense God's passion, or Paul's passion and excitement. Do you sense that? Paul is passionate about the blessing we have in Christ. See, we're not talking about this blessing that job, work, family, health. That's not what he's talking about. Blessing in the spiritual realm. Spiritual realm. And that's what we want to talk about this morning, to be blessed in the spiritual realm. That's what Paul's talking about. And when Paul speaks, he's speaking of this spiritual blessing that we have. Four, uh, he, back to verse three, he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing, right? There's this abundance of blessing that we've been given. It's not just like I blessed you with this one little thing. It's this abundance every spiritual thing. It's like more than Paul can even explain or bring up in even those, that one sentence that he just gave us. There's this abundance of blessing that Paul has given us. So the question for us is, what is our view of blessing? 
Do we feel blessed because things are going well in life? Or we don't feel blessed because things are not going well in life? My encouragement to you is to understand this idea of blessing, this idea of blessing that Paul is speaking about. See, blessing was not as we see it, things are going well or aren't going well, but blessing, as Paul talks about, is closer to the word shalom. Okay, shalom meant you had a peace with God. You had a fullness and a wholeness with God. That's what shalom meant. And this kind of blessing is what Paul is talking about, a wholeness and fullness and a real peace with God. Now that, that is true blessing. Verse 3, what I want to do this morning is I want to ask three questions, and as I tend to do, I'm going to answer the questions myself. Uh, so the first question we want to ask is how. We're going to ask how, what, and why. How do we get every spiritual blessing? Listen to this. I'm going to spatter off, not quite as quick as I did before there, but spatter off a few verses. Verse 1 says this, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Verse 3, praise be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms and every spiritual blessing in Christ. Verse 4, for he chose us in him, speaking of Jesus. Verse 5, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in Christ. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, he has freely given us in the one, speaking of Jesus again, he loves. And then verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. In him, speaking of Jesus. How do we get every spiritual blessing? Anybody know the answer? In Christ, good job, good job. In Christ. Paul says it about every single verse here in the passage we're looking at this morning. In Jesus. If we want to understand and know who we are in Christ, if we want to know this spiritual blessing Paul is speaking about, it happens in Christ, right? You go up to our theme, identity in Christ. This is our identity. This is who we are as individuals, as a church. The purpose God has for our lives is found in Christ in Christ. And I think there's some significant things about being in Christ. I want to read just, um, just a couple verses here out of Romans. Romans 6, 5 says this. It says, if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. One of the beautiful things about being in Christ is we get all the benefits of what he's done for us. All that he's done for us Man, we get to partake in the benefits of that. that. That's blessing. In what he's done, we can partake as well. In his death, we are in him. In his resurrection, we are in him. Awesome thing. Now, when, when God looks at us, what's he see? He sees Jesus. When God looks at us, the work has been done because I am in Christ. If you know Jesus, if you've put your faith, your hope, and your trust in Him and His finished work on the cross, you are united with Him. You are united with Him in His death. You are united with Him in His resurrection. In Christ. How do we experience this spiritual blessing? It's being in Him. In Christ. What an amazing thing. What a blessing 
that God has given us. All that He accomplished is ours. The question for maybe some of us this morning is that, what does it mean to be in Christ? Some of us this morning may, may be sitting here and we would ask the question, and much of the world would probably answer the question the same way, is how do you get to heaven? How, how do I know that when I die, I would be in heaven? How can I know that? And we know the answer as Paul speaks to it here. See, the reality is it's not what you can do. It's not the good works that you can accomplish. It's not doing nice things for other people. It's not trying harder as much of the world would answer and want to say. It's none of those things. It's simple. It's simple. If you want to know what it is to be in Christ, it's believing in Him. It's putting your faith and your hope and your trust in Him. See, there, there is no middle ground here, right? You're either in Christ or you aren't. You're either forgiven or you aren't. You're either redeemed or you aren't. You're either adopted as a son or a daughter or you aren't. There's no middle ground. This message written for the church at Ephesus was that they would know they are in Christ, right? And all that they have from being in Christ. You are either in Christ or you aren't. So my challenge and encouragement for you this morning is that if you are in Christ, understand all the spiritual blessing we have from being in Christ. If we aren't, know that you can be. Know that at the end of this life, whenever this life may end, I could be with him. I could be in Christ. I could experience all these spiritual blessings. I could experience heaven. I love Romans 8.1. Romans 8.1 says, We are no longer condemned. No longer condemned. Listen to this. Romans 8.1, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What's the key there? Those who are in Christ Jesus. See, God looks at us, and either says, guilty or not guilty. We are either guilty because of our sin and our shame and all these things we've done wrong in our life, or God looks at us, and because we are in Christ, he says, not guilty. They're the only two options. And so when this life may end, or where you are right now, God looks at you and says, guilty, not guilty. Not because of the things you've done, not because of all these nice things for people and all that you tried harder, because we are either in Christ or we're not. There is no middle ground. How? How do we get every spiritual blessing? In Christ. Second question I want to ask is what? What is every spiritual blessing? Well, you hear Paul say, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. There's too many to count. There's too many to mention here in this small book of Ephesians. But Paul does give us a couple, and there's two that I want to look at. The first one is adoption in verse 5, and the second one is redemption in verse 7. What is every spiritual blessing? Here are two of them. Verse 5 says this, In love he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. We are adopted. I was uh, at a Christmas party recently and talking to a lady there. A buddy of mine had brought his wife, and I had met her once before, but we had, we had supper together, hung out for a while afterwards, and began to discuss and talk about her, and she shared her story with me, basically. And as we were talking, you know, she came from a small town, smaller community in Iowa, by Okaboji, and she told her, started telling me the story of her, her mother, her birth mom, uh, had gotten pregnant, 
Dad wasn't in the picture, didn't really know what she's going to do. So she went in to, a, to see the doctor in the town and started talking to this doctor, says, I, I can't keep this baby. I, I, the dad's not in the picture. I'm not sure what to do. Is there a family that would take this baby? And this doctor went back and talked to his wife. They had three older kids. I think the oldest was near junior high and said, you know what, we need to adopt this baby. And she told me the story, and just you could see just the relationship she has with her father and with her mother as well, but specifically we were talking about her father, and just the joy she had. And she told me the story of how her father and her mother had adopted her into the family. And she told me, you know what, I'm part of the family. These are my brothers and my sisters. I belong. If I need something, you know who I go to? I, I go to my dad. Not, not birth dad or birth mom, but that's her mom and dad. And you could see the joy talking about this, being adopted into the family. And here she is now, probably 40, 45, but mom and dad, definitely still in the picture, definitely still strong relationship. They were down the weekend before watching the grandkids. She's part of the family, right? She's adopted into the family. And this is the picture of what God has done for us through Christ, that we have been adopted into the family. And with adoption comes two big things. One, access, right? If you're a parent, you know what it is with a father. You know what it is being a father or a mother with your child. As a son, you know what it is having access with your father and mother. I mean, if we have good relationships with our parents, we understand that. You know, my kids, they've got access no other kids have, right? If I have to drop everything for my son or my daughter, you know I will. Same thing. I know I have access to my own dad and mom like normal people don't have. And that's, that's the beauty of adoption. We have access. And just like the same way we are adopted as a son or a daughter of God, man, we can go to the throne, boldly go to the throne because of Jesus, right? In Christ. Second part of that is inheritance. What a beautiful thing, inheritance, right? You know, I think of my grand, grandfather passed away what, almost two months ago now. Well, he had a bunch of land up on 86th Street. Who's getting that land? Well, not you, no offense. His sons, his sons are getting that land, right? There's the inheritance of father with his kids. There's inheritance. We, we share in the inheritance. Isn't that awesome? I mean, wouldn't it be enough that I am no longer condemned? I, I am no longer condemned. What an awesome thing. Wouldn't that be enough? No longer condemned, maybe I can go stand in a little corner in heaven and just kind of enjoy my time there. But we have been given so much more. We share in the inheritance like Jesus. Sons and daughters sharing in that. All the joys, all the blessings that a son or a daughter get, we get because of Jesus. What an awesome, incredible thing. Should be enough, no longer condemned, let's go hang out but so much more. We share in the inheritance. What is every spiritual blessing? Adoption, verse 5. Verse 7 says this, in him we have redemption. We have been redeemed. We have redemption. I, I worked at Hy-Vee. Anybody, anybody former Hy-Vee employees in here? Yeah? Love Hy-Vee. Okay. Hy-Vee. Uh, I spent eight and a half years there. That's a long time to spend at Hy-Vee. My first year at Hy-Vee, I was the bottle boy. Okay? Not as glamorous as it sounds, but uh, what my job was there at Hy-Vee is they would bring cans and bottles to me. That 
kind of given away in the bottle boy whole thing. I had to clean bathrooms and stuff like that as well. But they would bring the cans, right? They would bring the bottles and the cans for redemption. They would stick the cans and bottles on there, and then I would pay a price to redeem the cans and the bottles. A price was paid, and that is what redemption is. We have been redeemed. In him, in Christ, we have redemption. It's been laid on the table, and a price has been paid. After we finish this series on Ephesians, we're going to go through about a four-week study on some stories about redemption. My favorite story of the Old Testament, which we're not going to do, about redemption is the story of Hosea and Gomer. One of the coolest stories in the Old Testament, one of the greatest pictures of what Jesus has done for us. Hosea, who was a prophet in the time of Israel there, Israel was, was really at one of its peaks. They were prospering, right? And with prosperity came basically uh, spiritual ruin. And one of the biggest problems was idolatry. They were serving other gods other than the one true God. And Hosea is sent to preach this message. And in it, he marries a lady by the name of Gomer. Okay, and through this relationship with Gomer, Gomer is adulterous. She's cheating on him. She's lying. She eventually runs off, right, in adultery. And here's Hosea left with the kids, and Gomer has run off, an adulterer, a cheater, a liar, gone off and done, done her own thing. Well, in this, she is left, she is gone. She ends up in slavery, okay? She's left Hosea. She's not been faithful. She's not been true, and she ends up in slavery. Hosea is called and to go and redeem Gomer. Go back and buy back this unfaithful woman. Cotton adultery, lies, not, not just one time, several times sold into slavery, and now Hosea goes to the market, walks through the market, and comes to the place where these slaves are sold. And Hosea, 15 shekels of silver, redeems, buys back this unfaithful woman, Gomer. What a picture of what Jesus has done for us. Unfaithful, adulterous people. Jesus has paid that ultimate price. Jesus has bought us back. See, the reality is, if we've ever loved anything more than God, that's adultery, right? I mean, that, that's us, an idol. That's idolatry. We have loved other things other than God. And that is why Jesus came, and that is why Jesus bought us back. What a price that was paid. A whole lot more than 15 shekels of silver, right? But what a picture. What a picture of what Jesus has done. What a picture of what God has done in giving us his son. What a story. Redeemed. What a beautiful thing that he's done for us. And if you are here this morning and you don't know what it is to be redeemed, you don't know what it is to be bought back, understand, like Gomer, you are a slave. You are a slave. And you need to be freed. You are a slave to your own sin. You were a slave to your own desires. You were a slave to your own uh, life. But Jesus has come to buy you back. Jesus has come to redeem you. What an awesome thing that God has done, right? Right. What is every spiritual blessing? Too many to count. Adoption, redemption, all of these things. The last question we want to ask and answer is why? 
why can we have every spiritual blessing? Verse 7 says this, In Him we have redemption. Here's the key. Through His blood. Through His blood. Nick and the band are going to come back up here, and we're going to continue to worship Jesus. We're going to continue to worship God for what He's done for us in and through His Son, Jesus. We have been redeemed through His blood. The bread, His body that was broken. The juice, His blood that was shed. That blood covered our sin. That blood is what took away and covered these wrongs that we've done. That blood is the reason that when God looks at us, if we are in Christ, He says, not guilty. Isn't that a reason to celebrate? Isn't that a reason to be here this morning to worship our God? Isn't that an incredible thing? What a blessing that God has lavished upon us, giving us His Son. In Him we have redemption. The end of the verse says this, the forgiveness of sins. Remember, God looks at us and says, not guilty, but here's the end of it, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Isn't that awesome? With the riches of God's grace. By the grace of God that He has lavished upon us. He has thrown upon us such amazing grace. And see, here, here this morning, it's not just knowing in your mind about grace, that you know, okay, God has done this, He has showed me grace, that's an awesome thing. But it's, it's like Paul, right? Writing this one sentence in verses 3 through 14, how excited and passionate it is about the blessings that God has done, about all that He's lavished upon Him and His people. What an awesome thing. It's that grace has invaded our very being, our very soul. And that, that, that is an amazing thing when that happens. Jesus has showed us his grace in dying for you, and there's nothing more beautiful than that, is there? Is there anything more beautiful than the story of someone giving their life up for another? That's what Jesus has done for us. And that's why we're here to celebrate this morning. The bread, his body broken. The juice, his blood shed. I remember uh, back in, I think it was 2011, when those tornadoes ripped through Joplin, Missouri. You remember that? And there was an incredible story that came out of that. It was a story of a man and his wife. And she told the story with tears in her eyes about how when these storms hit and this tornado began ripping through their house, her husband threw himself over her, covered her, right? And she remembers all these noise and everything going around her. And then when it all stopped, she looked up and saw her husband dead. He had sacrificed himself. He had given his own life, thrown himself on top of her so she may live. Is there a greater act than that? Someone giving their life up for another. What an incredible story. That's why we're here, isn't it? Isn't that the grace that God has showed us, that someone has given their life up for you? That's why we take the bread and the juice, because Jesus has covered us right? Man, we deserve, we deserve to die. We deserve to be punished for what we've done. But Jesus took it upon himself. And now God looks at us and he says, not guilty. Not guilty. We 
We are blessed. We are blessed, aren't we? Look at what all that God has done for us. What a blessing. A blessing in the spiritual realm. More than we could ever ask. More than we could ever imagine. What an incredible thing that God has done. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this incredible thing that you've done for us. This incredible gift you've given us in your son, Jesus. In him. God, we are adopted. We are redeemed. We have new life. We are forgiven because of Jesus. And so this morning, for those of us who are in Christ, for those of us that know Jesus, have been redeemed and adopted and forgiven, God, may we take the bread and we take the juice and celebrate this amazing thing that Jesus has done for us. An amazing thing that you have done in giving us your son, Jesus. God, help us to be like Paul. And we just can't help but, but spew these things out, these blessings that you've lavished upon us. What an incredible thing that your son would give up his life, that he would cover us. He would cover us. That storm, that pain, that death was to be us. But he covered us by going to the cross, by redeeming us through his blood. We want to worship and celebrate him this morning. It's in his name we pray. Amen. May this week we be reminded of all the amazing things we have in Christ. I would encourage you, if you want to discover who you are, who we are as a church, and your purpose, it's found in Christ. Ephesians is a great book for us to read through together and then on your own, and we encourage you to do that. I encourage you also to read John 15. John 15 talks about Jesus being the vine, us being the branches, that all we do, our purpose, who we are in life, is through Him through Christ. May we take hold of that amazing truth today and this week and for always. Let's pray together. God, what, what a thing that you've done for us. God, what a thing that we can discover who we are, that we can discover all these blessings that you lavished. Paul says you've lavished them upon us, and they're countless. They're endless of what you've done. Now, what an amazing thing you've done in giving us Jesus no longer guilty, no longer condemned, when we are in Him. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. Thanks for coming.